0: Amen. Give two, three people a high five before you grab a seat. And all the introverts in the room just went, oh, I hate when he does that. How many of you are grateful for what God is doing in our church? Come on, man. Woo! I've grown up in church my whole life, and I've never had the pleasure of being able to witness what we've been witnessing here as a church. Every single weekend, lives being made new by the grace of Jesus Christ. And man, I love just baptism Sundays and seeing those who are publicly declaring, Yes, I'm following Jesus. Speaking of life change, how many of you were here on Wednesday night and night of worship? Was that powerful or what? I told Kelly when we got home, probably one of my most favorite. Services we 've ever had at Life Church Buffalo in my entire time being here, you guys came ready to worship, and God met us at the place of our expectation. We were believing God for breakthrough, and listen, if you experienced a breakthrough in your life, if you 've experienced a miracle, would you let us know? Would you send us an email to stories at lifechurchbuffalo.com? We love to be able to celebrate with you all that God is doing in your life and and sharing that with others so that it can build their faith to believe that God can do the same in their life as well. We would appreciate it to send us that email. Listen, if you're new here, welcome. So glad to have you with us. My name is Pete. I have the distinct honor and privilege of serving alongside my wife, Kelly, as co-lead pastor, and we're continuing a series today called Dangerous Prayers which is based off of the content of a book by the same title written by Pastor Craig Groeschel of life.church. Last week, we prayed the dangerous prayer, God make me bold. And I pray and I hope that you have been praying that and practicing that this last week. Today, what we're going to get into, I just, I got to ask, how many of you are are ready to be challenged today? All right, a handful of you are ready to be challenged because I'm just warning you up front, The prayer we're gonna talk about today may be the most dangerous prayer a person could ever pray. Some of you are not going to like this prayer. Some of you may even refuse to pray this prayer. It's a dangerous prayer, it's not a common prayer, it's not an easy prayer, it definitely is not a safe prayer. It is not consistent with the God should make your life easy version of popularized American Christianity. And listen, there's nothing necessarily wrong with easy or safe prayers. I I like to pray them every now and then. Like, God, keep me safe. I wanna be safe. God, bless me. I wanna be blessed. God, give me a good day today. Like, I wanna have a great day today. Because the truth is, I don't wanna be inconvenienced. I don't know anybody that wants to be inconvenienced. I don't wanna be interrupted. I don't wanna face any challenges. We may not verbally say this out loud, but a lot of times our attitude is this prayer of like, God, if you really love me, give me a hassle-free day today with really nice weather, some really good food to enjoy today, green lights everywhere I have to go, close parking spots at every place I have to stop at, make people be really nice to me, make my kids be really well-behaved today, and please, God, don't give me any zits on the really important days. That's kind of our attitude when we pray, and God, just make everything go good for me. Just bless my life. Today's prayer is not that. It's not a safe prayer. As I said, it might be one of the most dangerous prayers you'll ever pray. If you pray this prayer, you will become uncomfortable, you will likely feel frustrated, and your life will probably get harder, not easier. Aren't you so glad you came to Life Church Buffalo today? to hear this positive, life-giving, encouraging message. Despite all of these things, I want to invite you to join me in praying this very dangerous prayer because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. The prayer that we're going to pray this week is break my heart. Break my heart, God. Crush it. Strip me of all comfort, ease, and spiritual apathy. I want to warn you, if you pray this very dangerous prayer, God will eventually answer it for you. And you'll find yourself burdened and grieved and your heart aching over injustices. If you pray this prayer, you might lose sleep. You might find your heart burning with a righteous anger when you witness injustices. You'll find yourself doing things that other people won't understand and when you do them, you will likely face fierce spiritual opposition and and resistance. You'll get criticized. You may even face persecution. But in, in all your pain and in all your discomfort and in all your agony, you will still find joy in knowing that you will be blessed as your heart breaks over something that breaks the very heart of God. To know that you share a burden that God himself has is a blessing in and of itself. To be given the privilege and the opportunity to share God's heart when he looks at the world he created and it breaks his heart, to be able to feel that as well is a blessing in and of itself. You'll be blessed as your heart breaks over something that breaks the heart of our creator and our father. It's a dangerous prayer. Break my heart, oh God. To illustrate this, I want to use something from the life of the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, who had a pretty unfortunate nickname. He's known by a lot of scholars and theologians as the weeping prophet. Unfortunate, please don't call me a weeping pastor. I'm sure you don't want to be called a weeping teacher or a weeping lawyer or weeping whatever your profession is. The reason he was called a weeping prophet is because his heart broke over the grief he was feeling from the plight of his people, who, as he stood alone declaring God's warning and coming judgment to a people that had completely rejected God. And so, standing alone with nobody listening, he experienced this isolation and this rejection that just brought tremendous grief to him. And that's why he's called the weeping prophet to give you some context of what was happening in, at this time in history, in the life of the prophet uh, Jeremiah, the people of Judah were rebelling against God. There were rampant injustices. The leaders were abusing widows. They were taking advantage of the poor and the marginalized. They had gotten so wicked and so far from God that they even began to practice some of the Um, rituals that the pagan nations around them were practicing, and they began to sacrifice children and babies to false gods. That's how far they had gotten from God. And God was angry over the sinfulness of his people was going to bring judgment, and Jeremiah's heart was breaking over all of this, God saying like, guys, how can you say you, you believe in and love God and still treat people the way you're treating them? Won't you hear what God is going to do if you don't turn and repent? And his heart broke over the fact that nobody was willing to listen to him. And you can hear it in Jeremiah 8, verse 18, when he writes, my heart is beyond healing. My heart is is broken. In verse 21, he says, I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. My grief is beyond healing, he says. My heart is crushed and broken on behalf of my people who have rejected God and are abusing people who don't have the power to defend themselves. And so Jeremiah did what he knew to do. He preached, and tried to warn them of the coming judgment. And he preached some fire, y'all. Like Jeremiah is probably one of the most fiery preachers in the history of the world. If you want to read the sermons he preached to the people of God, go read the book of Jeremiah. He fasted, he prayed, he preached, he warned, he threatened, and yet nothing changed. And it broke his heart. He said, My grief is unbearable question for you this morning, do you want that? Some of you are like, heck no. (laughs) No, but seriously, let's ask ourselves this morning as followers of Jesus, do we want our hearts to be broken to that degree? Because if I'm being honest with you, when I wake up, I want the opposite of that. I want the opposite of that. I wanna go through my day and have no problems. I want everything to go well for me. I don't want people to be rude to me or to flip me off. I don't want any problems or heartaches or grief. That's why this is a dangerous prayer. Break my heart. And to be clear, break my heart is not asking God to give you like a spiritual interest or a hobby. I'm not talking about a little thing that kind of annoys you spiritually. Like, you know, when you, when you see you know, a homeless guy on the side of the street with a sign, and you pull over, you know, because your heart breaks for him, and you, and you give him your spare change. Something that we, you know, a nice deed that we do every now and then to make our, ourselves feel better. I'm not talking about those of you that want to rescue every stray pet because your heart breaks over the thought of animal suffering. And so now you've got a really nice doggie at home that you rescued from the shelter five years ago. I'm not talking about that. Good for you and good for your dog but that's not the level I'm talking about here. Break my heart, what I'm talking about is a gut-wrenching burden that consumes your thoughts and just doesn't ever let up. It doesn't go away, it gnaws at you, it eats at you and consumes you until you simply cannot not act. You have to do something because the burden that you feel in your heart that is breaking compels you to do something about this which is, if we're honest, the exact opposite of everything that our culture tells us we're supposed to prioritize. Not only is it the opposite of what culture programs us to pursue, but it's also the exact opposite of the softer feel-good version of American Christianity that says, God exists for you. God exists to make your life better and easier. God wants to bless you with health, wealth, prosperity, and comfort. It's the opposite of preachers who say, well, this is the year of abundance. This is the year of increase. God's gonna make you accelerate. You're the head and not the tail. Live your best life now. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can name it, you can claim it. God wants you blessed, brother. You're blessed going in, you're blessed going out. So act like you're blessed and walk like you're blessed and talk like you're blessed because you are blessed. This is the year of blessing and increase. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to make fun of some preachers, but listen. What I want to ask you today is, what if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? What if the greatest blessings that God wants to give us come on the other side of pain that moves us out of self and moves us to action to begin caring for those that God cares about. What if the greatest blessings are on the other side of the greatest breakings? What would happen if God truly broke your heart for the things that break yours? What would happen if he gave you a divine burden, a holy hurt, if you will? Because I don't know about you, but that's a little scary to me because I'm somebody who really enjoys comfort. I like luxury. My wife teases me all the time about it, about how expensive my tastes are. To steal a phrase from the old show, The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, she's like, Pete, you have like champagne wishes and caviar dreams. Like, you just like really, really nice things, and I do, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like, when it comes to my vehicles, I want heated seats for the winter and cooled seats for the summer. I recently got to drive a car that had a heated steering wheel. Game changer. I'm like, my next car will have a heated steering wheel. Dude, I love it, it's awesome. I love camping every now and then, enjoying the outdoors with my boys, but if I'm being honest, I would much prefer glamping over roughing it in the woods where all my amenities are there. And better than that, give me a nice luxurious hotel room with really soft pillows and soft towels and shampoo that smells really good and room service where people come in and feed me. And a maid comes in and like changes my sheet and makes my bed every single day where I can go down and swim in a really nice pool and then jump into a really nice hot tub and then move from the hot tub into a really nice, like, sauna. Like, I love it. I like comfort. Here's the problem with comfort. Comfort never moved me to action. I've never gotten so comfortable where I felt like, all of a sudden, okay, now I want to go out and change the world. Comfort just seems to be get more comfort, doesn't it? I like luxury. I really do, but luxury in life never shook me to care about people who are suffering. I like pain-free days. But pain-free days never made me look more like Jesus. Because what does pain do? Pain purifies. Suffering strengthens us. Trials teach us to depend more on God. Break my heart, God. It's a dangerous prayer that kind of snaps us out of our our self-centered pursuit of comfort and ease and brings us to a place where we have to do something about this burden that's breaking our hearts. You can't not do anything because the burden is so intense, the grief is so intense that it compels you to go out and do something to try to change that situation. It's a dangerous prayer. And the pages of scripture are littered with examples of people who experienced what I'm talking about, this this divine burden, like Moses, who grew up in luxury and comfort, growing up in Pharaoh's palace. There was nothing that he wanted for. And yet living in that, he witnessed over and over again as the Egyptians would cruelly mistreat and, and abuse his people, the Hebrews who were enslaved. Until one day as he witnessed an Egyptian beating one of his people, he just snapped and he attacked and killed the Egyptian and then fled for his life. And Moses carried this burden over what his people were going through for decades until one day God spoke to him through a burning bush on the backside of the wilderness and said, I want you to go back to Pharaoh And Moses listened and stood before the most powerful man in the entire world at the time, and he told Pharaoh, let my people go. He had this burden that God gave him for what his people were going through. How about David, for example? We're first introduced to David as a little teenage boy, probably 13 years old. And one day his father gives him some crackers and cheese and says, hey, the whole nation's at war. Why don't you take this this food to your brothers who are on the front battle lines, go take this to the real men and bring a report back to me for how things are going. So little David goes to the battle where everything has kind of come to a standstill. There's no fighting. That's because there's this really annoying, really big guy named Goliath that's you know shouting obscenities, and, and and the people of Israel are knocking their knees in fear because they think that he's unbeatable. But Goliath made a mistake. Goliath mocked the God that David loved more than anything else and insulted the people of Israel. And something broke in David's heart when he heard it. And he stood up and moved him to action. And he says, who the heck are you, you uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Some people might think you're too big to defeat. I think you're too big to miss. Somebody give me a sling and some stones. How about Nehemiah, another Old Testament prophet who also kind of, you know, grew up in comfort but had a slightly high-risk job. See, he lived in the palace during the Babylonian captivity, but he was the king's cupbearer, which meant all he had to do was taste the king's wine before giving it to him to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. Every day it wasn't poisoned, it was a good day. Until one day... Some of his people brought back a report for how things were going with the remnant of his people that had returned to his beloved homeland of Jerusalem to see how things were going. And they said, it's not good. The people are in despair. The the walls of the city are broken down and the gates have been burned with fire, which meant the city was vulnerable to attack at any time. And the people had completely lost any sense of who they were, their identity as a people. And when he heard it, it broke his heart so much that he physically couldn't stand. He fell to his face and wept, and he wept, and he wept, and he prayed. And with the threat of death, he took his own life into his hands by daring to approach the king to ask for permission to go back to his hometown to help rebuild the city where his ancestors were buried. And despite having, you know, no construction experience or anything like that, he wasn't a builder, he somehow was able to, you know, after the king granted him permission, he returned to Jerusalem, he rallied the people, and he says, don't be afraid of your enemies, remember the Lord who is, who is strong and mighty, and fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your brothers and sisters, fight for your wives, and fight for your homes, he was His heart was broken so that it compelled him to leave a life of comfort and do something that was inconvenient and uncomfortable. And then there's the popular New Testament theologian. Maybe you've heard of him, Popeye. Popeye the sailor man who lived in a garbage can. He fights to the finish because he eats his spinach. He's Popeye the sailor man. Some of you younger people are like, who in the world is he talking about? <laughs> Popeye had a babe of a girlfriend, olive oil. She was a traffic stopper. And anytime time Popeye's enemy, Brutus, Big Bad Brutus, would try to steal olive oil, what would Popeye say? Some of you remember, that's all I can stand's. And I can't stand no more. <laughs> Some of you are gonna get to that point. After you pray this prayer, God's gonna give you a divine burden. You're gonna have something that grabs a hold of you that compels you as you, witnesses, as you witness injustices. And your heart's going to break one day, and when it does, you're going to be like, that's all I can stand, and I can't stand still anymore. I've got to go out and do something. I've got to show the love of Jesus. i got to right this wrong. i got to make sure that these people have equal access to opportunity that I have access to. And some of you are already doing that. Your heart does break over some of the wrongs of our society today. And you're out there, you're serving, you're volunteering with with partner ministries and organizations that are trying to meet the needs of people who are poor and oppressed and marginalized. And you're doing it because your heart does break. Others of you, your heart breaks, but you're not sure where, where to go or where to start or what to do about it. See, one of our values as a church is to love and serve with intentionality. We believe that God has called us to share the love of Jesus with the people that, in the community in which we're planted by serving them with intentionality. And so we're in the process of discovering how God is asking us to embrace that as we reach out into our community. And we're going to do this by identifying the gifts and talents of people right here in this room who are part of this church and what it looks like for us because every single one of us has a significant role to play and so we have partnered with the Neighborliness Center to create a strategic plan for community engagement. And the first step in this process is for all of us who are a part of this church to participate in a questionnaire, questionnaire together. It will only take a few minutes. The questions, you know, it's probably three or four minutes long. I think there's 11 or 12 questions, like, you know, some generic um, questions of name, age, all that stuff. And then, like, What are your gifts, what are you good at, what do you do for a living, are you willing to volunteer at all outside of Sunday to use your gifts and what you do to help meet people's needs and what are some of the things that concern you as you look across society? What are some of the things you could say that break your heart? And many of you have already participated in the survey. We did it back in November uh, when we did the Meal with Jesus series. And we're gonna put the QR code for this survey again. We've already had the initial meeting with the Neighborliness Center to kind of go over the, the first round of results. And we had about 55% of our people participate in the survey, which he said in comparison to other churches, is actually well above the average. But we as a leadership team, were hoping for more. And so if you were not here on that Sunday when we did this in the service, or you didn't click on the link that we sent out the week after that, and you didn't fill the survey out, as your pastor, I'm, I'm asking you, would you please take your phone out right now and scan this QR code and click the link that pops up on your phone and take three or four minutes after the service is over to fill this questionnaire out. It will really help us create an an informed strategy to identify what are the the gifts of our people, what are the needs of the community, what organizations out there are already meeting those needs, and how can we strategically partner people up so that we can be more effective at bringing heaven to Western New York, to actually changing people's lives. Please, if you did not take this survey already, Take a few minutes. And if you didn't get a chance to pull it up on your phone right now, we have printed versions of this QR code that will be on tables out in the Next Steps area in the foyer after service. One of our team members will be able to help walk you through it. Like I said, it'll only take three or four minutes. And I'm asking you, would everyone please, who calls Life Church Buffalo their home, take a few minutes to fill that out? Break my heart, God. Break my heart. Listen to me when you pray this prayer. Get ready for your heart to ache. And I don't know what will break your heart. Maybe it will be the plight of the unborn. Maybe it will be the thousands and thousands of refugees who live just 20 minutes from here on the west side of Buffalo. Maybe it will be the poor and the homeless who struggle with food insecurity. Maybe it will be for some of the children in our community who don't know how to read. Maybe it will be for women and children who are suffering the horrors of human trafficking. Maybe it will be for racial injustices that still haunt some people today. Maybe it might be to get clean drinking water to some parts of the world where there will be dozens of children who will die today because they don't have access to clean water in their village. It might break for the children in our county who don't have a loving home. It might break for those who are suffering from mental illness or those who are trapped in addictions and don't know how to get out or those who are recovering from infidelity and unfaithfulness in their marriage and don't know if they'll ever be able to love or trust again. It might break for teens who are cutting and who need a positive influence in their lives. It could be that you serve every single week in student life because your heart breaks for a generation of teens who are being told by culture that they're entitled and lazy, but you believe something different. You believe that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. You believe that, God, that they need to know that God loves them and that you love them, that they matter, that they can make a contribution, not tomorrow, but today. I don't know what will break your heart But when you pray this prayer, your heart will eventually break and when it does, listen, I want you to thank God for it. Because a lot of people think it's just easier not to care, that ignorance is bliss. It's better not to know. Ignorance, like if I know, then I've gotta do something. If I've gotta do something, then I've gotta step outside my comfort zone. I'd rather not know so I can stay in my safe little bubble and just live my nice little comfortable life. No, when God breaks your heart, I want you to thank him for it because what I want you to understand is that it is better to hurt with a purpose than to coast through life existing without one. So thank God when he moves you. Thank God when he calls you. Thank God when he breaks your heart on behalf of those that he cares about. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament when he first appears on the pages of scripture was very religious, but did not know Jesus until Jesus met him one day and changed his life. And in Philippians 3, Paul was kind of reflecting on what his life was like before he met Christ. And he was listing all of the qualifications for why he was somebody that had reason to kind of boast and be confident in their own abilities. He was like, man, I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like the law required. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded strictest obedience to the law, all 613 of them. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He's like, I had it together. And in Philippians 3, 7, he says, I once thought all of these things were valuable, but now, now that I know Jesus, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him little side note, when he says, I count it all as loss and consider it as garbage compared to knowing Jesus, that word in the Greek for loss and garbage, one way to possibly translate that is the word dung. D-U-N-G, like poop. Paul literally said, I consider everything else that I previously thought was gain, it's all crap compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Jesus is the most important thing in my life. All I want is to know him more. And even though Jesus meant everything to him, even though his relationship with Jesus was the most important thing in his life, I want you to hear about how much Paul's heart broke for the people that God had called him to. Look at what he writes in Romans 9, 1 to 3. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. I'm not lying, I'm not exaggerating. He says, my conscience and the Holy Spirit will confirm it. Listen to what he says. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Listen to what he says. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. That's how much my heart breaks for my people. Even though I love Jesus more than anything else and I can't wait to spend eternity with him, I would be willing to be cut off from Christ and spend eternity without him if by doing that, it would save my people. That boggles my mind. That's how much Paul's heart broke for his countrymen who still hadn't come to understand and accept who Jesus was and what he did for them. It's a dangerous prayer. And when you pray it, God will answer it and your heart will break and it will hurt. And there are times when people look into my life and they say, Pete, man, you've got a really good life. And you know what I do? I love my life. I've got an incredible wife who has all of my heart and I have all of her heart and we love each other a lot. We've got two incredible kids that still love us, even though they're getting into teenage years and they love Jesus with all their hearts and now we've got a foster child as well and we love him and he's been a great addition to the family. I love my work, I love what I get to do, I have a great life. But what a lot of people don't realize about me is how often I weep and how often my heart breaks and I experience real emotional pain at the things that God has called me to do. My heart literally breaks for those of you who think you have found life in Christ because you attend church every couple of weeks. When all you have is a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but it's never traveled the 18 inches into your heart, and you've never experienced the life-transforming grace of Jesus Christ. My heart breaks for you. My heart breaks for those who are still far from God who don't yet know freedom that's available in Jesus who are still trying to fill their lives with meaning trying to fill that void with things that will never be able to fill it because only Jesus can fill it my heart breaks for them I experience righteous anger, I literally get angry in, in a godly way when I encounter legalistic Christians who are consumed with with rules and regulations, don't have relationship, and it makes them mean, bitter, critical and judgmental Christians because they've missed the beauty of what God's grace can do. My heart breaks. My heart breaks for those of you who are so focused on carving out a nice, comfortable existence for yourself, and you're so focused on the temporal, you're so focused on this earth, you're so focused on accumulating more toys and living a life of comfort and ease, and you didn't, you've never discovered the fact that the gifts God has given you were given to you by God to be used for his glory in the church and as the church out in the world. My heart breaks. Break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. And when he does, tell him you're thankful for that pain. Because as much as it hurts, I am thankful for that pain. You know why? Because every day I wake up with a higher purpose. I wake up with this driving force that compels me to do something that I know matters in eternity. And that's what I want for you. Not just to pursue your own selfish desires or carve out a nice, comfortable existence for yourself but to live your life in light of eternity for the glory of a God whose heart broke so much for you that he sent his own son to die for you so that you could experience his grace and his forgiveness and his love and his joy and his peace and the abundant life he wants you to have. Jesus, his heart broke for you. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying the night that he would be arrested and then stand trial and the next day be crucified. Knowing what he was about to have to endure, invited his disciples to come and pray with him. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, he told his disciples, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. My heart is breaking at the thought of what I know I'm about to have to endure. Stand here and pray with me. And he goes on a little further. Many of you know what he prays. He says, Father, if there is any way possible for you to take this cup of suffering from me, please take it. Nevertheless, not what I want, God. I want to fulfill your will. In other words, I'm willing to let my my heart and my body be broken to accomplish what you sent me here to do, to pay for their sins so they could be restored to a relationship with you. Jesus' heart broke for you. And our goal as Christians should be to become more like Jesus, whose heart broke for us And I wonder if there's any saints in the room today that are willing to let him break our hearts for what breaks his. Paul, right after he said, man, I consider everything garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Then said this in the very next verse in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ. That should be all of our goal. I wanna know Jesus. He says, I wanna know the power that raised him from the dead. And we're all like, yes! The power of the resurrection. I want breakthrough in my life. We preached about that on Wednesday night. He is the God of the breakthrough. I want the power of the resurrection. But Paul didn't stop there. Look at what he says next. I also want to share in his sufferings. Why? So that I can become like him in his death. So that then I might also have the hope of being raised from the dead. Preached about breakthrough on Wednesday night. And yes, he's the God of the breakthrough. But the God of the breakthrough is also the God who breaks us to make us more like him. Will you let him break you as you continue to ask him for breakthrough in your life? And when he breaks you, thank him. Thank him because he's making you more like him, which should be the goal of all of our lives. And thank him because it is so much better to hurt with a purpose than to coast through this life and just simply exist without one. It's a dangerous prayer. But following Jesus was never meant to be safe. So I want to close a little bit differently this morning rather than just ending with a prayer. I've asked Kelly to come and and sing a song, an old song that's probably 10 plus years old, the song Hosanna. And the chorus of the song It says, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. So I want to invite all of you to stand in this place. And have the courage to sing this song with Kelly as a prayer. Make this song your prayer. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Hard and we experience that grief and that hardship, you're a comforter you're with us in the storm, you never leave us you never forsake us but Lord we don't want to be nominal Christians we don't want to be people who think we belong to you and who think we're Christians just because we said a prayer once and we attend church every now and then and we give a few dollars in the offering and we serve on the dream team Lord, Lord, help us to be people that accurately reflect and represent your heart for a lost and broken and a hurting world that doesn't yet look like the kingdom that you called us to bring to this earth. Lord, if we're going to pray what you taught us to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not going to be like that until we move out of our comfort zones and start putting our hands to the plow and be willing to get dirty and get in the muck and the mire and the mess with people who are trapped in addiction and are trapped in sin and are so blinded and deceived and discouraged and hurting and lost that they can't see their way out. And you've called us to bring the hope of glory and the light of Jesus that lives in us into those dark places and lift their head so they can see that they have value, that you matter to them. Break our hearts, Jesus. Break our hearts. Change us. And make us more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat as Pastor Rich comes to close us up. Church, I love you so much. Thanks for letting me share my heart.